All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. Welcome back, guys. Keep on Tolkien. Welcome back, guys. Keep on Tolkien. This is Joel N. This is Danny J. And we're back with our uh, second part on the Council of Elrond. This is episode 21. Yeah, yeah. So right when we left you, we were just getting uh, some of the perspective of the southern men. Boromir was speaking his piece. He uh, told us about a dream that he and Faramir had, which is why he came to Rivendell in the first place. Right. He was also throwing some shade and bitching a little bit about the strife of Gondor and how nobody's helping them and they're doing all the work. Yeah. Basically. It, this is in terms of defending against Mordor. So at this point at this point, in a direct response to that, essentially, Aragorn reveals himself and he pulls out the broken blade of Narsil and uh he uh clarified that that essentially was the part of the that the dream was speaking of. Yeah, part of the and, part of the dream talked about the blade. Yeah, and he comes out as like, I'm a Sildor's heir. I'm uh, technically your king, bitch. Bitch? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> bitch? Bitch? <laughs> yeah, he throws down the shards of the blade. And then... Uh, and this is the kind of disrespect uh, that Boromir is showing for not only Aragorn, but pretty much everybody else. He's being a little rude at this point. And uh, so Bilbo gets up and he says what I actually read as the opening, uh, the little poem there. Yeah, he d- he kind of doubts whether or not Aragorn is actually the heir of Elendil. And uh, Aragorn's good friend Bilbo Baggins sitting by and gets uh, kind of flustered. And he hops up and he recites that lovely verse. That poem. And he wrote that for uh, his buddy, whom he calls the Dunedine. Mm-hmm. And that's Aragorn. I love uh, Bilbo and Aragorn's relationship. Where's the Dunedain? Where's the Dunedain? I was writing a song, and now it's quite left me. <laughs> I'll have to get my friend the Dunedain to help me. Yeah, they don't. Um, there's a song that Bilbo sings that they wrote together, isn't there? Yeah, it's in uh, chapter Many Meetings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then they have their dinner, and uh, he he recites the whole verse of them. It's actually really good. It's about bunch of old first age stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah. Yeah, they're buddies. They like to sing. Aragorn likes to sing, too. Yeah, Aragorn's good at that. Aragorn makes some good songs. Apparently, he's not only tall, dark, and handsome, but he's also quite talented. And he's good at healing, you know what I'm saying? He's good with his hands. Got good hands. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. He'll rip out an orc throat or heal you up. Right. All right, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So after Bilbo's... uh, Interruption or uh, Aragorn basically, you know, because he's he's a he's a he's an understanding guy. Aragorn's a good guy, and he uh, so he forgives Boromir's insolence, and um, he understands the uh, the doubt that he and maybe other Gondor people, Gondorians, are feeling toward him. Well, yeah, he understands the doubt that anyone would have. He com- he says he's he's Elendil's heir, but not necessarily the likeness of Elendil himself. Right. I'm just some gangly ranger. Some gangly ranger. 
a young 80 or 87. But then at the same time, he basically says he understands why Boromir might doubt that he is who he says he is. But then he totally gets on Boromir's case for complaining about Gondor being the only defense against evil. And you know why? Because he's the chieftain of who? The Dunedain. The fucking Dunedain Rangers, The Dunedain Rangers. And they're like a super behind-the-scenes, like, super defense group that just kind of... Yeah. They're like a bunch of secret agents that are always out and about yeah. defending against evil. Yeah, exactly. They're like... I'm trying to think of, like, like garbage men, right? Like, garbage men are super integral to our society, um, and you barely ever see them do their job. I mean, I guess I totally see where you're getting at with that. <laughs> I feel like garbage it's a men. very underwhelming <laughs> comparison. If, if, gar- if garbage men were of the line of kings and were long-lived... <laughs> Are you a garbage man? For you are blessed with long life. <laughs> I remember hauling garbage with your grandfather. <laughs> but you must have just been a boy. <laughs> well, you must be 70. You could not be eight. I'm an 86-year-old garbage man. Or did he say he's 87? He's 80, yeah, he's 87. Aww. Oh. <laughs> um, so, uh, Aragorn totally puts Boromir down in his place for complaining about Gondor being the only one defending against evil. We're going to throw out a little a quote from Aragorn real quick. It's kind of badass. It's great. And yet, less thanks we have than you. Travelers scowl at us, and countrymen give us scornful names. Strider I am to one fat man who lives within a day's march of foes that would freeze his heart or lay his little town to ruin if he were not guarded ceaselessly. Yet we would not have it otherwise. If simple folk are free from care and fear, simple they will be, and we must be secret to keep them so. That has been the task of my kindred, while the years have lengthened and the grass has grown. Boom, son! Yeah, Aragorn just dropped it. Dropped For real, though. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it really just kind of defines what the Dunedain do. Yeah. Also, yeah, they're yeah. just like constantly... I love that. Defending like, people yeah. that don't even know that they're there. I'm the king of the northern kingdom, and I'm called Strider by some fat bastard that runs a bar. Yeah, who has no regard for what he actually does. Like, Yeah. So at that, um, Boromir kind of like, he's like, oh, okay, he stops complaining about being the only defense, but then he pipes up and he questions whether or not the ring that is presented by Frodo is actually the one ring lost by Sildor. Understandable. Uh, so in response to that, Elrond calls up Bilbo Baggins, and he says that it seems like it's about time for Bilbo to tell his part of the story. That kind of connects the dots here. So Bilbo gets up, and he recalls all of the events of the quest for Erebor. And the real-ass version of it, Yeah, too. the real version, not the the real, the real version that he wrote down. Mm-hmm, or, like, he even told his buddies, like... Right. Because he point, looks at Gloin, yeah, that Yeah, one he point, says, I'm going to tell the tale now. As uh, it's never been told, As it hasn't yeah. been told. Uh, some I, of you may have heard this, and for those of you that haven't, then he looks over at Gloin, he's like, I hope you'll forgive me. Yeah. I just wanted to keep it for myself. Yeah, so that, he tells the whole tale, apparently it drags on quite a bit. And uh, some people have heard it, but apparently to the people who hadn't heard it, they're kind of amazed by by Bilbo's tale of, you know, the quest for Erebor, everything that happens in The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Frodo starts in uh, with his, his uh, uh, the, from the day he received the ring, um, pretty much on to like, and I woke up yesterday. like Right, all the <laughs> way through the fighting at Weathertop, the getting across the forge, and then 
plaque. I wish he would have ended with that. And now I'm sitting here at this council that's been going on for five hours, and I'm hungry as shit. I'm hungry as hell. <laughs> uh, so after recounting his tale, uh, Frodo kind of took a moment to look around and comment that he still felt like the story feels kind of incomplete to him, especially... Gandalf's part of the tale. Mm-hmm. Where has Gandalf been throughout this whole portion between, you know, the Shire and Rivendell? Because a lot's happened so far. And then, yeah, yeah, Galdor of the Havens is also like, yeah, we want a full account of the ring. Yeah, he kind of pipes and he's like the guy in the background's like, yeah, yeah, we want to hear it. Spill it, Gandalf. Yeah, uh, Galdor also wanted to know uh, why Saruman uh, was not there. Yeah, he brings up a good point. I mean, he's a smart guy. Yeah. He's uh, coming from Kirdan, so. Where's Saruman? He's like, yeah, I really want to know what Gandalf was doing. And by the way, where has Saruman the White been this whole time? He's the leader of the White Council, whose yeah. direct job, job is to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Like, where is he at? And so in response to that, Elrond says uh, it's time to listen to Gandalf's part of the story. <laughs> and Gandalf's part of the story is a story, as always, because, you know, he's fucking Gandalf. And if you don't know who Gandalf is, uh, listen to episode one and two of season two. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's the last couple of episodes of uh, 16 and 17. Yeah. It's all about Gandalf. All about Gandalf. I love how this is like episode 20 or whatever. And we're just like, if you don't know who Gandalf is. <laughs> if you don't know who Gandalf is, you might want to start a little further back than this podcast. <laughs> Read The Hobbit now. Go. It'll be worth your time. Yeah, it's definitely. Read it on the toilet. It'll take you like three dumps. Seriously, though. It's, yeah, no, I'm it's serious. A, it's, it's a kid's book. It'll go pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So Gandalf's part of the story. So he starts by recalling his investigation into the necromancer in Dolgal Dur. That was a long time ago. He basically says, remember, I was the one that finally discovered that it was Sauron taking shape again there and not just some necromancer. He talks about how Saruman dissuaded him and the others of the White Council from acting against uh, yeah. the necromancer and Dumbledore. Isn't that convenient? Right. Um, he also talks about how this entire time Sauron had actually been watching them also, and Sauron had been preparing for them to strike him and Dogledur, and this entire time he had been preparing, he was governing Mordor from afar through Minas Morgul. I think that means through... The Palantir, right? I think, yeah, I think that means through the Palantir. Yeah, because that, that was how he got a hold of one, was by taking Minas Ithil. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. So when they finally came to uh, confront Sauron and Mirkwood, it was actually the same year that the ring was found again. I think that means by Smeagol, right? Mm, found in the river? Yes, yes, in the River Anduin, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Smeagol didn't find it. Well, Deagle found Deagle it. Deagle found it, and then Deagle. Smeagol murdered him for it. Son of a bitch. So that very same year is the year that the White Council drove Sauron out of Mirkwood, but then by that time he was already prepared to just run on over to Mordor, and he went back to the Dark Tower and ended up openly declaring himself not long after. Uh, he continued to talk about how Saruman continued to dissuade them from searching for the One Ring, even though it seemed like Sauron, Sauron was, was hard after it. Yeah, even though yeah. it seemed like Sauron was actively looking forward at this point, he kept reassuring him that it, it washed away down the Anduin into the yeah. sea. And then Gandalf uh, at this point is like, um, yeah, I'm. it's kind of my fault for listening to this asshole for right. so long. He's like, this is kind of where I came to fault. Yeah. Listening to Saruman. So he mentions as soon as it got up to the point of about 17 years ago, 
he became he became aware that there were spies of all sorts, beasts and birds and things that were gathering around the Shire. And that's when Gandalf became very concerned and uh, disregarded the advice of Saruman, finally. And um, who did he go to? He sought the help of the Dunedain Rangers. The Dunedain Rangers. Rangers. Who else? And chief among them? Era friggin' Gorn. <laughs> <laughs> the leader of the Dunedain. <laughs> yeah, so he totally recruited Aragorn to help him with this, and uh, he had Aragorn help him hunt down Gollum. Hunt that son of a bitch. Because uh, he wanted information on the ring, and who's the first person he knows to go to? Or the first person he knows the ring directly came from? Gollum. Uh, so while Aragorn hunted Gollum, Gandalf uh, instantly went over to Gondor to do some research because he knows that Gondor had some extensive libraries of scrolls and stuff from a long time ago. And he does some research there looking up some kind of description of the One Ring because all the Rings of Power are distinctly different from each other. Mm-hmm. They all had their own colors, gems, shapes, powers... Um, so he was trying to figure out what the One Ring looked like. Um, apparently it was well known that it didn't have any gems on it. It was just yeah, a band. But other than that, nobody... Nobody knows. Nobody nobody really knew. So he was going to do some research, and that is where he found a scroll that Isildur had written. Yeah, and like nobody has read this scroll like outside of, uh, what does he say, just me and Saruman. Yeah, other than Isildur and Saruman, because apparently it was written in a language that people no, nowadays didn't don't even... speak in gondor anymore yeah. yeah and yeah this gives him like uh this is essentially the first hand tale of the one ring and yeah. uh he describes that uh like how he cut it off and it had like an elvish script on it but then it cooled mm-hmm. down and it didn't yeah and essentially it would like reshape to his finger and like all kinds of stuff is described in this. right apparently before the, the uh the text went away though he was able to sketch it onto that scroll so he had a direct writing of whatever it was that was written on the ring and even mm-hmm. a sealed door apparently in the scroll said he didn't know what it meant he wasn't able to read it he's like it's some form of uh ancient elvish of air region obviously but he couldn't quite tell he's like i think it's black speech of mordor but i'm not sure and then gandalf confirms that yes that was in fact the black speech the of mordor speech gandalf then heads right back to aragorn who had found gollum things are moving pretty quick here Er, he found the information he needed about the ring. Aragorn's got Gollum, so now he's going to meet back with Aragorn to question Gollum. Who do you, you think is the good cop and who's the bad cop? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely imagine Gandalf being the good cop and Aragorn the see, bad. But I could also see it the other way. I could also see Gandalf just mad dogging from the back. Like with his like just <laughs> with his staff or something. Aragorn, yeah, with his just staff like, like spinning it around or something, just spinning it like with one like just around his fingers, and it's the whole thing is spinning. He's just like, try it. Where's the ring, Gollum? <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> it's like Batman. Where's the ring? <laughs> so I imagine it went down just oh, like that. That's exactly how Gandalf got answers out of him. <laughs> Good cop, bad cop. It never works every time. So when Gandalf went to question Gollum, um, he actually was able to get a good amount of information out of him. He found out that Gollum had already been captured by Mordor during this time that Gandalf admitted he was not acting because Sauron dissuaded them. During that time, Mordor had captured Gollum, and they had questioned him about the very ring. So he knows that Mordor was searching for the ring. 
He also now knows that Mordor knows about Bilbo and the Shire. Oh, shit. Or at least he knows of Bilbo and the Shire. Mordor doesn't exactly know where that is, which is where we got that Black Rider mm-hmm. that ended up over in Erebor asking Dane for information on where Yeah, because they're essentially the scouring Middle-earth to try to find... Yeah, because they don't know what the Shire is or what hobbits is, yeah. are. They know of them now, but... Yeah. Well, they also Yeah, they also uh, found out that the Gollum has the extended lifespan because right. of the ring. Yeah. And that's why he's all fucked up and nasty, because he's been like... How old is he at this point? Like five or six hundred years old, isn't he? Right, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really old. Yeah, so he cited these exact points to get to Gildor as he's reciting this. He's like, this is the proof that you were asking for. Gildor had asked him for proof about the ring, and he says... Not only did we see the text that was written on the ring now, we know what the text is. Gollum had also been captured by Mordor and questioned about the ring. Uh, Mordor now knows about Bilbo and the Shire, and Gollum has that extended lifespan that's a tall tale of only the one ring. And then he even cited further proof, calling yeah, calling back on that script. Mm-hmm. He even read the script out loud. Yeah, and that's, that's what we're going to get into right oh, now. Oh, yeah, let's throw this it This is going to be an epic reading, guys. This is another epic Gandalf <laughs> quote. <laughs> this I read. Arshnar Dulbadulk. Arshnar Gimbadulk. Arshnarg Thrakatulk. Arg Bruzum Ishi Krimpadu. The change in the wizard's voice was astounding. Suddenly became menacing, powerful, harsh as stone. A shadow seemed to pass over the high sun, and the porch for a moment grew dark. All trembled, and the elves stopped their ears. Badass moment. Yeah, I love that they do that in the extended version of the movie. They do, yeah. Which is one of my favorite parts of the They do a good job. It's great because the sky does grow dark and everyone gets super anxious and it just sounds evil. I love the look on Hugo Weaving's face like, (laughs) no one has ever uttered those words in an Ladris before, Gandalf. And then I love what Gandalf says too. I do not beg your pardon, Master Elrond, for uh, this language may be spoken in every corner of Middle Earth or something like that. Yeah, he's like, but let it be heard. Yeah, this is what we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, and af- as soon as he uh, as soon as he finished his quote, he he stated that Sauron will soon know if he doesn't already know that they now have the One Ring there with them in Rivendell. Oh, and then the council falls silent because it's kind of a a reveling moment where everyone realizes how fucking serious this actually this actually is. is. Yeah, this like, is bad. Yeah, once they get to that juncture, that's when it gets real, real. When they're like, like he, even he might even know that we're doing this right now. Yeah. Like, we're plotting to, like, do something with this ring, and, like, mm-hmm. he knows we have it, and he knows it's here. Like, possibly. We don't know for sure if he knows. But more than likely. But more than likely. If he doesn't now, he will soon. And so everyone falls silent, and then Boromir breaks in by asking what became of Colm, since he's such a nuisance. And at this, this is when Legolas like jumps up in the air nervous and he breaks and he's like, this is where I have to tell my part of the tale because I'm here on news from my father Thranduil in northern Mirkwood that Gollum has escaped. Yeah, he's like, I knew it was bad news, but I didn't know it was this bad. Like, I came here, yeah, telling you, gonna tell you something kind of shitty, but... I didn't realize it was this, this important. Awful. Yeah, he's like not only that, but the reason Gollum escaped is because they were assailed by an army of orcs who had come to help him escape, mm-hmm. which is pretty suspicious. Awful suspicious. And then at that, Gandalf just threw on more 
more bad news. Yeah, this is when he really starts to pile it on. And then Gandalf's like, I'm going to answer your other question now because uh, Galdor had also asked him about Saruman. <laughs> second part of your question. Here's the second part of your question. <laughs> more really bad news. So Gandalf first starts off by talking about how Radagast, he ran into Radagast one day uh, on the borders of the Shire. And uh, Radagast uh, said that Saruman was looking for him and he better head over to Isengard. On the way to Isengard, Gandalf, is st- he stops in Bree and he leaves a message uh, with Butterbur, the <laughs> fat man that Aragorn mentioned earlier. <laughs> Fucking Butterbur. He leaves, yeah, he leaves that message for Butterbur. He asks Butterbur to mail it to the Shire for him, which that letter is telling Frodo to get the fuck out of the Shire now. Like, get out of Dodge. Yeah, like, you need to leave yesterday. Like, yeah. And Butterbur forgets to send the letter. Yeah. <laughs> 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 which is why Frodo waits so long to leave. Right, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so when Gandalf gets to Isengard, uh, Saruman is, is, is like, a, more of a dick than he usually is. Right, Saruman is strangely, like, scornful He's to cold. Gandalf. He's and cold. cold, yeah. And he kind of mocks uh, Radagast, even. Yeah, he mocks, he mocks everybody. He's just, like, throwing shade at everybody. Yeah, he's very higher than thou. Yeah, and he... Uh, reveals himself as no longer Saruman the White, but Saruman is many col- of many colors. He has, like, Gandalf kind of looks at him and notices that he's, like, this pearl kind of effect is yeah. going on. He looked white at first, but then you look and it's many colors put together. Right. Gandalf used his proper title, and then he got, it's like he got he pissed got mad off about, it, yeah. about being called Saruman the White, and he scoffs and he's like, Pruh, Saruman the White. White is a base. Oh, yeah, he's like, white can be Peyton. Painted, the white page can be overwritten. Like, all this crazy shit about yeah, white. Yeah, he just starts going off, and he's like, I am now Saruman of many colors. Ta-da. We get it, bro. Okay, you changed your wardrobe. Fine. Yeah, so Gandalf finally... Uh, he realizes that Saruman's been against him this whole yeah, time. Yeah, and it sinks in, and he's like, oh, shit, this isn't good. Yeah, he tries to get him to... Saruman tries to get Gandalf to join up with him. Yeah, which obviously it doesn't work. That's one of my favorite dialogue scenes ever, too. Because like we said, this chapter has just the best dialogue ever. Oh, yeah, it's all dialogue. It's all dialogue. And this is uh, one of the stories he's telling is this story in particular is really awesome. The dialogue between Saruman and Gandalf. Yeah, Saruman basically, or I'm sorry, Gandalf basically puts Saruman down. He's like, I've heard speech like this before, and you know I have. Like, why did you call me here for this? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's like, your choices seem to be join me. He's like, join you or never leave here. I take neither. Do you have others to offer? This <laughs> is a Gandalf way to fucking respond. And then he gets locked on the top of Orthanc. Because, I mean, you don't really need dungeons when you've got the top of the yeah. tower. Where you can't go anywhere. Yeah, and it's like in the clouds. Like, it's very tall. It's yeah, it's, a, it's way, way up there. There's tall. no way off. Yeah, so Saruman, after Gandalf turns Saruman down... Uh, Saruman locks Gandalf on the top of Orthanc. And that's where you get that awesome scene where he gets rescued by the eagle. Yeah, Gwahir the Great Eagle. Yeah, Gwahir shows up to Orthanc. He shows up to Isengard, actually on completely unrelated business. Mm-hmm. He was actually uh, flying there on behalf of Radagast, who had asked him to report any Black Rider sightings. Mm-hmm. And he was coming to report some Black Rider Oh, because that was one of the things that Gandalf told. We, we didn't talk about that. What, what he told Radagast when they met each other is like, hey, right. tell every, tell all your friends, your, your beasts and birds, that shit is going down. Look for these people on the road. Right, yeah. When, yeah, Saruman and Radagast met outside the Shire. Not only did Radagast give... 
Gandalf a false request. He, Radagast didn't know that it was a trick. No, yeah, he didn't know. And he talks, yeah, Saruman talks shit about him. He's like, you know, Radagast the fool. But ultimately, Radagast was Saruman's downfall because um, at the same time... Uh, he's the one that sent the eagle. He's the one that sent the eagle, yeah. yeah. Gandalf was like, hey, Radagast, like, go send messages amongst all of your, your wild friends and have them keep an eye out. Mm-hmm. And, and he, does, he does exactly friends, that. Yeah, one of those friends happened to be Gwahir, the Lord of the Eagles. And he does, and he comes flying to tell Saruman that there's been a Nazgul sighting, and he sees Gandalf appear on top of the tower. He's like, oh, shit. Then Gandalf is like, oh, my God, thank God you're here. <laughs> Holy shit, Saruman has gone crazy. I've been up here for so long, and I'm hungry. He's I'm clothes, so hungry. His clothes are all colorful now. His clothes are all colorful, and I just really need to get out of here, man. Can I ride on your back? And he actually kind of says no. Yeah, he's kind of like, mm, I don't mm. bear riders. Yeah, he's like, I, he's not a steed. Yeah. So he, he's like, all right, just. Pick me up for a little bit. And he's, he's like, like well, can you at least get me down? From yeah, here? can you at least get me down from here? All right. And uh, yeah, well, here takes him to Rohan because yeah. he says, Rohan's he, not far Yeah, because he's like, I need a steed. Uh, Gandalf was like, I need a, a horse. And he's like, All right, I'll take you to Rohan. They got the best horses. So he sets him down uh, near Edoras. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, in Edoras, Gandalf gets leave from Theoden to take one of his horses as long as he'll just GTFO. And Gandalf's like, Fine, all right. Okay, fine. This is strange. Why you want me out of town so fast? But yeah. uh, all right. And so he goes and he finds Shadowfax, the Lord of the Meras, the Meras, the high horses, high horses. Mm. <laughs> That's one of Keepon <laughs> Tolkien's favorite jokes. The high horses. That's joke. the third time we've done the high horses joke. <laughs> it's too good. You'll probably hear it again. Just to be honest. <laughs> the high horses. <laughs> It actually took Gandalf a couple days to ultimately not tame, right? No, just more like befriend friendship. Of, yeah, like yeah. gain trust from mm-hmm. from Shadowfax because he was like a sentient horse. And they finally became friends, and uh, Shadowfax agreed to carry him, and he did so very quickly. And they instantly bolted. I believe it was right back to the Shire, right? Yeah, and they got there in like record time. Record time, not soon enough. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, unfortunately, they had, they had just missed the hobbits by what a couple days, a day or two, yeah. Because they had just gotten to Bree, right? Because Gandalf, when he gets to Bree to talk to Butterbury, they were there like two days ago, I think. Yeah, just just a day or two behind. Um, so he gets to the Shire looking for the hobbits, trying to tell Frodo to leave. They've already left. He finds out from old Gaffer. From old Gaffer Gamgee. We talked about him in the last episode as characters who got fucked in the bo- in the movie. No Gaffer, except in the extended edition. But it's not enough. It's not enough Gaffer for us. Not enough Gaffer. We love Gaffer. Gaffer's a good, he's a good character. He's great. He's got a lot of sayings and things that he taught Sam. A lot of wisdom. A lot of gold wisdom. Uh, so after the Shire, that's when Gandalf rides straight to Bree and where he speaks to Butterbur. Butterbur, the fat man who that was aforementioned. got his... <laughs> fucking letter forgot to send the fucking letter and he's scared as soon as he sees gandalf he's like oh shit I knew yeah, there was he like- falls on the ground and starts like cowering he's like oh no don't hurt me. And he's like i'm so sorry they left with strider and i didn't know what to do yeah, he's like they fell in with that strider he's like i tried to stop them and gandalf's, and like, gandalf's what? like fucking strider hell yeah why didn't you say so, bro? Like, picks him up, and he's like, hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah, he said he was literally about to burn him. And <laughs> yeah. then when he heard... He's going to roast the old fool. That's what he's <laughs> and, then when <laughs> and then when he heard that they'd fallen in with Strider, even though Butterbird tried to stop them, 
they still fell in with Strider, and he's like, that's the best news I have heard in, in a long, long time. friggin' time, man. He's like, tonight I am actually going to sleep. I was, I was in jail for a while, but ever. <laughs> I had to ride an eagle to get here. <laughs> yeah, so Gandalf actually gets a night of rest after he gets that good news from Butterbur. He actually embraces the guy and gives him, like, some gold or something. Yeah. Like, gives him a tip. Give him a tip. Just for not doing your job at the right time. <laughs> Worked out. But that's when, after, let's see, after he leaves Bree the next day, that's when he heads to Weathertop, and he encounters the Nazgul there before Frodo and the Hobbits and Aragorn do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they actually, uh, when they, and they know that uh, because they get there, and there's like an elvish G, like, um... When the when Aragorn and the Hobbits get there, there's like an Elvish G carved there with a date, mm-hmm. and they know like, oh, Gandalf was here like two days ago. And then prior to that, they had heard like a whole bunch of crazy like thunder and seen yeah, like, there was lightning, and lightning. And there shit. was lightning up on the horizon. They yeah. weren't sure what it was about, but turns yeah. out it was Gandalf. It was Gandalf. Yeah, they got to Weathertop and it was all like singed and burned and everything. Yeah, fighting. We think all of the Nazgul. We're not sure. It was it was all of the Nazgul it was all of against Gandalf at the Weathertop, and. And then he left, and he took some of them with him. He got some of them to chase him to off, chase him which off, was yeah. his plan. Yeah, to draw. And then a few there were still what was it, four or five left? Yeah, I think he took four with him and left five. It could be the other way. I think it was. I think it yeah. was exactly that. And I think there were five left that they had to encounter mm-hmm. Aragorn and the Hobbits, and that's when Frodo gets his stabby stab. It's a stab, a stab, stab, stab. Um, and so that's when the wizard makes his way for Rivendell, and he drives away some of the nine to help them on their way, and after that, that's the end of Gandalf's tale. He's like, my tale comes to an end. And now, at this council, we have to do what we're here to do. We have to decide what to do with the ring, now that we've talked all about it. Yeah, we've talked about it for hours. Yeah, it's like late in the day now, and he's like, now we have to actually decide what are we going to do. And it's, yeah, finally sunken into everybody how grave the situation is. It's another, like, moment of silence. Yeah. Because nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows what to do. This is looking around for Sauron, like, is he going to be here any minute now? Like, So this is when uh, something fun happens. Aristor brings up Tom Bombadil. Hey, yo, He's Tom like, Bombadil. Hey, because, I mean, they, they all heard about Tom Bombadil in this council when uh, Frodo recalled his portion of the story so far. He talked all about Tom Bombadil. And Aristor brings up this crazy-ass Tom Bombadil. He's like, why don't we hand it off to him? It seems to have no power over him. And they actually, for a moment, they take a time to recall Tom Bombadil. And actually, Elrond remembers Tom Bombadil. And he recalls him by, like, a few different names. He's like, if this is, in fact, the same Bombadil, he's like, we used to call him... Eldest and fatherless. Yeah, I forget the elven term that he used. Oh, it's but a weird it was, name. Yeah. But it means the oldest and fatherless. Mm-hmm. Like, he was there before everyone else. Like, who the hell is Bombadil? Yeah, nobody knows. It's why I love Tolkien's universe. Yeah. So many, yeah, as full as it is, there's so many mysteries still. Uh, but ultimately, Glorfindel pipes up and says Tom Bombadil would not be able to stop Saruman directly. So if we were to, even if we were to give it to Tom Bombadil, it would just be postponing the inevitable. Yeah, the inevitable. And he even says some line like, in the end, it would just mean that as he was first, Tom Bombadil would also then be last. And then the world would fall into darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be kind of poetic, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Glorfindel also suggests that they could send it over the seed of Valinor to be kept safe. And Elrond is basically like, <laughs> the Valar aren't going to take it. <laughs> like, they're not going to take it. Um, for good or ill, it belongs to Middle-earth, and it is their responsibility to deal with it. Yeah, I think the Valar are kind of fed up with 
the elves of Middle Earth getting involved and fucking things up. And well, then, and like, do you want them to get involved? Look what happened last time. They destroyed the fucking Earth. That's true. They they really fucked up the continent. Like yeah. They sunk half of it into the ocean. Yeah. I would like to avoid that. Then Glorfindel pipes in again. He's like, well, then why don't we just take the ring and throw it into the sea and make the lies of Saruman actually true? Let's throw it in the bottom of the sea. Then Gandalf replies to him with something that was kind of eerie, I thought. Gandalf pipes in and he's like, well, it wouldn't be safe at the bottom of the sea forever. There are many things in the deep waters. What does that mean? They they never talk about... Yeah, it's just scary. What the fuck is What kind of creatures about? live in the deep waters? And then he says, also, the lands and the seas might change because that also happens, like that, we just Yeah, mentioned. that shit happens, too. We were just talking about that, yeah. The land and ocean straight up change. So, yeah, that's a bad idea, too, is what they're saying. Don't We can't send it over the sea... Can't throw it at the can't, bottom of the ocean. Can't throw it into the ocean. Can't that give was it to the Tom d- Bombadil. That was the dumbest uh, suggestion. Throw I it think, in the ocean. To throw it in the ocean. I mean, they did that with the Silmaril though, and that's gone. But then they talk about these deep. What did they do with the Silmaril? These crazy creatures yeah. down there. Yeah, who knows? Somebody down there wearing it like as a nipple ring or something. <laughs> Some like huge aquatic mammal that super lives. tingly. <laughs> I am king of the whale freaks. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! So, I'm just saying, Tolkien's uh, legend, <laughs> Tolkien's world is weird. That's all I'm it, it is pretty crazy, I guess. <laughs> well, at this point, this is when Boromir uh, brashly recommends. Oh, this is so that dumb. they use the ring to defeat Sauron. Never mind. This is dumber than throw it in the ocean. Yeah, this is dumber. Gandalf and Elrond both immediately dismiss this suggestion and just tell him why that could never work and would never work. I mean, the ring contains the power of Saruman. It's irrevo- It's irrevocably Sauron. evil. Whoa, you said Saruman. Did I say Saruman? Rookie mistake, bro. Shh, rookie We're going to crucify him for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the ring contains the power of Sauron. Sauron. It's irrevocably evil, and anything done with it will ultimately turn to evil. Like, you can't use it to defeat Sauron, because, I mean, it would ultimately just destroy you. Yeah, that's kind of the nature. This is it's like you can't even really use it because it'll just fucking destroy you like and then just corrupt you. It is, there's no point in even trying to use it, dummy. And at this point Gloin actually pipes up and he suggests something interesting. Gloin suggests that the elves use their three rings of power that they still have to try to fight Sauron. Mhm. Which I thought was actually a pretty interesting idea. That's a decent suggestion. That's not bad. Not bad. But uh, Elrond uh, pipes in and he tells him why that's not a good idea. Now, we'll throw out a quick quote from Elrond. They were not made as weapons of war or conquest. That is not their power. Those that made them did not desire strength or domination or hoarded wealth, but understanding, making, and healing to preserve all things unstained. Yeah. So, yeah, like he said, they're not... They're not weapons. They're not offensive weapons. No, they're very much for healing and creating, not destroying. Not destroying. Even evil. Mm-hmm. So then it's back down to their final decision, and Aristor just kind of reiterates. I mean, if it's coming back down to bringing the ring to Mordor to destroy it, Aristor says he thinks that that would be you'd be you'd be just dis- falling into despair if we tried to go that route. Even folly, he would say. And Gandalf responds to him. With a very Gandalf thing to say. He basically says that despair is only for those who have full sight, right? You know, let's actually... I think I got it right here. Let's let's actually 
quote Gandalf. Yeah, here we is. go. Despair or folly, said Gandalf. It is not despair, for despair is only for those who see the end beyond all doubt. We do not. It is wisdom to recognize necessity when all other courses have been weighed, though as folly it may appear to those who cling to false hope. Yet let folly be our cloak, a veil before the eyes of the enemy. Hell yeah, Gandalf. Yeah, at that, Gandalf basically talks about how Sauron is very wise, but he only thinks in terms of desire for power because that's what he's all about. That someone would even pass up power, or more so, even try to destroy the ring, it, it just wouldn't occur to him. <laughs> yeah, he's just like... And it's kind of like uh, like Cartman, how like it never occurs to him, like if they don't get caught doing something that they did it wrong, you know, it was wrong. Right, right, <laughs> like, exactly. It never occurred. It never occurs to him. Like, but they use this to their advantage. That's that's the the weakness in Sauron that they try to use to their advantage. So at this point, it's kind of agreed that they have to destroy the ring. Elrond kind of reiterates that after what Gandalf says. Mm-hmm. And then at that, and then we have a little Bilbo here. Bilbo little, jumps up. Little Bilbo pipes up, and he, um, <laughs> I love this. He's like, I know what you're all thinking. You're all thinking this old fool Bilbo started it all, and he should be the one to finish it. <laughs> and he's like, Yo, well, fine, I'll do it. Like he's like getting mad, like just thinking what other people are thinking. And then Elrond is basically like, No, 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 no. Nobody was, nobody was saying that. It, <laughs> it is passed on from you. You've done your part, my friend. You're good. He's become quite a sassy old hobbit. Yeah, he's like, I know what you're all thinking. He's like, old Bilbo's going to have to go on another adventure, I guess. Yeah, it's like, dude, you know you're good. You're too old. Sorry. Just hang out here. It's You'll nice. never make it, bro. Just too many stairs. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good joke because that's an old people joke. <laughs> and, and the stairs of Kirithu. Right, joke. right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. That's all from us, guys. No. We'll, be here, we'll be here all week. Actually, we, we will pretty much be sitting here all week. Yeah, we'll be sitting here all week. We've been kind of mass recording recently because we've gotten so yeah. bored. Yeah, we, we just uh, we spit out like a whole bunch of episodes real quick. And it's good. I think they're good episodes. It's, they're it's fun. Nice. We get I've had talk. a lot of fun with the last few episodes. We get to talk to you guys some more, so this is great. Yeah. Talk to us. Yeah, and talk to us. Hit us up on social media and all that stuff. I feel it's funny that we're talking about it like this, like it's the end of the episode. Yeah, it's not. No, we're almost. It's there. not. We were joking, guys. It's Sorry. Not the end of the Sidetracked. Sidetrack. Um. So after that, yes, <laughs> Elrond comes in and he's like, "No, Bilbo, uh, it's okay. Uh, as much as you'd like to think you started this, this started way before you, and you know you should probably just stay here with us in Rivendell and write your book." But that that then Bilbo asks, "Well, then we've got to get down to choosing who is going to take the ring." Bilbo's very to the point. And then, once again, a heavy silence falls on the entire council. And Frodo feels a strange pressure. He feels compelled to speak up. And he's kind of surprised that he even does. And he pipes up and says that he knows that he can do it. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead it. and I'll take it. I love this. It's such a Frodo line, too. He's like, I will take it, though I do not know the way. Like, even though I have no idea how to get there or how I'm going to do it, I realize that it's my responsibility to do He's it. He's like, I'll carry it, but I need guiding. Yeah, I'll need some help. Yeah, and Elrond agrees. He says, that, you know, it's a heavy burden, and it seems that uh, it's Frodo's destiny, essentially. It's yeah. his appointed he's held up, place. He's held up really well so far, surprisingly well. And Elrond, uh, uh, you know, says a little bit of this. This is another uh, excerpt for you guys. This is some high praise from Elrond. Yeah. 
Elrond praises his choice, saying that if all the mighty elf friends of old, Hador, Hurin, and Turin, and Baron himself were assembled together, your seat would be among them. That's the nicest shit I've ever heard anybody say. That's some crazy praise. Yeah, that's some crazy. And you sit next to Turin and Hurin? Right. Kick me? Kick me. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this earlier, too. With this whole... People like us, and presumably you, you folks listening at home, too... <laughs> We go through listening to this this uh, this chapter where they talk about all this history, and we think it's great because we're connecting dots, right? Right. When this book came out, Danny brought up this point earlier. When this book came out, and people got to this hit this uh, chapter of the Council of Elrond, there were no dots to connect. There were no dots to connect. This yeah. is all just like some far off ancient history that they're referencing. Mm-hmm. He's like, who the hell is Turin? Who yeah, is like Baron. Who are these great mighty? Elf friends, what are you talking about? Like, right. this is I, just yeah. I imagine, some amazing like hints at some like, deeper history. We would have lost our fucking mind about stuff like this in the fifties. We would have been reading it like, all right, you just named a whole bunch of people that I don't know about. I want to know about these fucking people. Like, right, and these aren't just like random made up references to make it seem like there's more history there than there is. These are all real people with huge stories behind them. This is yeah. cool. Hurin Turin, Hador, and Baron. I love how Tolkien's. Stories, especially as third age stories, are just built on top of so much history. Mm-hmm. It's not just random little bits that people threw together to make it look like history. It is. There's a lot of real history there. Anyway, it'd be a wild party, though, right? Oh yeah, Hador, Hurin, Turin, and Baron, and then Frodo. There would be a lot of very, very large, big guys, mm-hmm. burly dudes, and then one very small hobbit. And among all four of them, there'd only be seven hands. <laughs> <laughs> And even fewer fingers, right? <laughs> even fewer fingers. <laughs> yeah, these guys are they're, yeah, they're, they're beaten up. They're, they're beaten up, man. They went through <laughs> some shit. If you if you want to hear about any of those guys, I think we talk about all of them in season one, right? We do. We talk about every single one of those fellows back in season one. Go listen, guys. They're they're great Go stories, listen, especially tour. And we're super proud of that episode, and it's our favorite. So finally, at the end of the council, here we've got Sam who jumps in as soon as Frodo is agreed that he's going to go and take the ring, Sam has to pipe in and he insists, he demands that he go along with Frodo. And Elrond does something very specific here. He smiles, because that's something Elrond does. because that's some shit that Elrond does. And we talked about this in the last episode. Hugo Weaving never smiles. Hugo, Hugo, yeah, he never smiles. He was super serious. Elrond smiles and agrees heartily and says it's almost impossible to separate them. And that's the end of the chapter. And that's the end of the chapter. They don't actually build the entire fellowship. No, until right the next there. chapter. Yeah, until mm-hmm. the ring goes south, which they is they just great kind chapter. of agree that Frodo and Sam are gonna be the ones taking it. Yeah, so we're not gonna get into the the fellowship of the ring a whole lot, but uh, let's name them off at least, Joel. Who do we got? Well, let's start, uh, start with, with the Hobbit. tallest. How about let's start with the tallest? Okay. So we've got Aragorn, Aragorn, and Boromir. Aragorn, and Boromir. Oh, I suppose Gandalf's probably the tallest. I think Aragorn's taller than Gandalf. Okay, Aragorn, Boromir, Gandalf, Legolas. Uh, and then we got to go down to Gimli, because I think Gimli's taller than the Hobbits. He's definitely, yeah, a little bit. And then you've got Frodo, Sam, Mary Pepin. Mary right? Pepin, yeah. And we were talking about this the other day, too. There's something that Joel didn't realize, and it, it blew his mind, that uh, they pick specifically nine members of the Fellowship to combat nine ringwraiths. Yeah, I don't know why I never connected those dots. The number nine... Significant, I, yeah. I, it is significant. Hell yeah. That was I thought that was really badass. Because each one of the members of the fellowship bring a very unique skill and yeah, they all different bring, kind yeah. of support to the team and it's yeah. really great. It's a great team until it 
falls dissolves, apart. Dissolves, yeah. Yeah, which isn't actually that long after they set out. But so that's all we've got for you today, guys. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. That was really fun. We this, hope uh, you enjoyed nerding out with us. Yeah, on this, one. this is probably the the nerdiest. It'll. Uh, I doubt that, but <laughs> it'll get nerdier. But uh, it's a nerdy thing. The the council of Elrond. It's uh, it's porn for those of us who love the history and the connecting of dots. And like we said, really, this chapter is uh, the ultimate exposition chapter. Right. And it's really where the story actually begins. Like yeah. this is where we decide that the ring is evil. We need to get rid of it. Who's going to do it? How are we going to do it? Yeah, and it puts everything into frame, all of these events that, that we already know of that have happened in the past, puts it into perspective with the history of the world and how this all fits in. Yeah. And, and what we got to do. And keep in mind, so these are probably going to be two, like, 40-some-minute epi- 40 minute episodes. That is almost as long as it would take you. So an hour and 45 minutes is how long the audiobook chapter takes. Right, so... We probably should have mentioned this at the beginning. We did. We did talk about this. But the amount of time that it it may have taken you to listen to us talk about this, you you can also listen to the whole chapter. Yeah, listen to the audio Or read if you're a faster reader. Yeah, if you're a faster reader, that'll do it. But the audiobook is really good. The people that do them are are fun. Um, And they're they're fun to listen to. Yeah, they're great. I love the audiobooks. I do it ceaselessly. Big part of our lives. Big, big part of our lives. All right, guys, this has been Keep On Tolkien. Uh, we had a good time here. Yeah. Uh, this is Danny J. This is Joel N. And as always, guys, keep on Tolkien. Keep on Tolkien. Aure and Tuluva.